0: You're listening to a podcast with Michael Sallin and myself on the way ahead of after the corona crisis. It's part of a series uh, focusing on Sweden and uh, European security. The Swedish Royal Academy of War Sciences pursues a project on this topic, which in this series of podcasts so far has focused on the southern dimension of European security, and the intention had originally been to continue after report on the southern dimension with the eastern dimension but when the corona crisis developed the last months it became clear that it will, in the f- it will alter in fundamental although yet unknown ways uh, our security, it will impact upon our security in different ways. So, In the overall security paradigm discussed within the project, it has become clear that crisis response needs to be discussed with priority, as it already has been within the framework of our report on the Southern Dimension, when we were focusing, for instance, and in particular, on the ongoing crisis in Syria. But here, um, there is an issue of virtual threats and challenges and these kind of threats, of course, could be a virus, it could be a threat to cyber security or a financial threat as during the financial crisis. But here we're talking about a health security problem, a flow security problem. So everyone talks about what's happening now and the challenges uh, facing us right now. Relatively few people uh, are focusing on the way ahead after the crisis is slowly subsiding and uh, of course this is uh, something which is difficult to foresee now but equally important to start to talk about it and when you collect material about this as I've done as we have done uh, I've found you know quite a number of articles already thinking ahead so to say so we'll go into some of that material here and some of our own thoughts uh, to give people an opportunity to zoom out, not only about the, on the current situation, but also on the future. Our problem is, of course, that as we are going out of the crisis, we will see that there are many other parallel crises underway, as they are now, of course, but uh, not being seen in the news as they should be. So the question will be put whether this time it will be, the situation will be different than uh, was the case after the First and Second World Wars. At that point, international leaders, not least US leaders, found it to be of fundamental importance to establish a global, multilateral framework for cooperation and also a regional framework for cooperation after uh, after the Second World War as regards Europe, NATO, European integration and so on. So the question is, will the current very defensive and protectionist, even egoistic, approach to uh, security prevail and and stay there for some time? What do you say, Michael?
1: Well, my view uh, would be that since we are dealing, as Rumsfeld would have said, uh, with the unknown unknowns, uh, we have to take uh, take a deep breath and think fresh. Uh, uh, my view here is that it is, in a way, understandable that uh, actors, be they be they na- nation states, act uh, in uh, with an instinct of of self-interest. Uh, you see that uh, at all levels, uh, because of the shock of the corona, it was not unpredictable, but it was not clearly foreseen. But I expect that uh, in due course, and with due course, I mean within a year's time or so, it will be uh, realized that, uh, oops, uh, acting on in your own self-interest is simply not enough uh, dealing with this particular threat, uh, alongside with all the other threats, as you say, so I expect that there will be a period of soul searching and uh, and tentative inventiveness in trying to reconstrue uh, multilateralism on the basis uh, this time of a multipolar. Uh, world political situation which needs to be uh, realistically reflected in any multilateral structure but since this is a huge uh, issue which will take many years and since time is not available in order to deal with the immediate crises there must be uh, an interim period where on the one hand uh, there is a uh, an effort to try to uh, to save what is savable among the existing multilateral structures while thinking about a a more long-term situation. But my my, uh, basic view here is that the uh, realization on the indispensability also in this new world of some kind of realistically construed uh, multilateral system reflecting multipolarity in world politics will be a necessity.
0: Yeah, uh, so clearly the current state of affairs is not, uh, is not uh, uh, OK. It's, uh, uh, I note that not only John Eliasson, but Helen Clark and others are, uh, and I quote John Eliasson here on Twitter, uh, the passav- passivity of the UN Security Council on COVID-19 is striking and irresponsible. Precedents for action on similar threats to international peace and security have been honorably set by the Council on AIDS, Ebola and Climate Change. As an example of a a feeling uh, which is very widespread uh, on the global level that uh, the multilateral system is not up to up to a par at at the uh, current time Mm -hmm. and uh, the question is is it possible to deal with both the health and economic aspects of your own uh, for the future Uh, can you do it on your own can uh, words like autonomy nationalism protectionism less integration less globalization less democracy less human rights less freedom of speech more disinformation more focus on authoritarian leadership is that what we are going to see, even in the largest Western de- democracies? Uh, I note, for instance, uh, the threat uh, posed by, by President Trump, although he denied it during the same press conference, to, uh, uh, that when he proposed to, to lower the US contribution to the World Health Organization. At the very uh, time when, when uh, uh, more and more vulnerable countries are being exposed to this and are desperately in need of advice uh, from the World Health Organization. How pessimistic are you about this?
1: Well, I'm pessimistic about uh, the possibilities to reconstruct functioning uh, multilateralism as long as the situation is what it is currently in the US. Because even if it may be true, and probably is true, that uh, any functioning multilateralism from now on has to reflect uh, global p- power realities uh, in, a, in a new way, I, I guess. Uh, still, the importance of the U.S. for leadership uh, is uh, well, is among the indispensable components. Uh, polit- the political game uh, in the U.S. Uh, I'm not politicizing here, but I'm just stressing the the, the importance of the U.S. and being in a uh, in an electoral campaign right now. Also, uh, it will continue, uh, and the absence of the U.S. Uh, playing a constructive role uh, and a leadership role will, I'm afraid, be suffering uh, as long as the electoral campaign goes on and then of course you have the hugely important question as to the next four years and what kind of leadership because uh, the world cannot regain functioning multilateralism as long as the US is uh, in, uh, in political disorder at least concerning global leadership and as long as US first uh, is the paramount uh, slogan in that country so uh, one has to look very very carefully at the US factor uh, before the elections and beyond and there i am a little bit scared of uh, <clears throat> of the uh, of the consequences of things going wrong or uh, remaining on the wrong path we yeah. need, the world needs uh, constructive US leadership
0: yes this is also my my conclusion after having gone through the various contributions I see in the literature already and the various Mm. uh, uh, proposals for for action uh, including what uh, Henry Kissinger himself Mm. writes in Project Syndicate you know the need for for the I mean it wasn't actually in the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, the need for for the US to take the lead to re-establish the liberal world order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm of course uh, again without politicizing, you know, extremely uh, depressed when I see uh, 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 the contrast between on the one hand our obvious need of a functioning transatlantic dimension mm-hmm. and on the other hand uh, incidents such as the one when, when the when US action hurt its own citizens for instance by unilaterally blocking travel between the United States and Europe and thereby putting thousands of American citizens into six to seven hour long lines waiting to get through thereby actually making them vulnerable to the to the virus. Mm. Uh, that's only one example another example is what we are not members of NATO in Sweden but of course it's, it's worrying when you hear even the Secretary General of NATO in his uh, Public conversation with uh, with President Trump recently, uh, congratulating the U.S. president uh, for using language against uh, its European partners, which are clearly not very, very nice. I mean, is. Uh, it's it's not uh, it's not you, you heard that kind of language also when the Ukrainian president spoke with President Trump, you know, congratulating him, telling him that he's doing one hundred percent the right thing, mm-hmm. whereas what you know is happening is a, is is a blatant pressure on on uh, on these uh, on these European partners. So. Um, uh, this is very, very problematic, I suppose, for NATO, uh, uh, because it's difficult to have a, a good and constructive dialogue in that framework for the moment. Uh, and it encourages, obviously, European leaders uh, more to seek uh, a dialogue within the context of their European partners alone, mm-hmm. without having the Americans present. And which is uh, again a very, very bad. Development in comparison to what we thought we had yeah. uh, Sometime earlier in the in the previous decade
1: mm-hmm. one of the, one of the uh, harmful aspects of this uh, coronavirus problem now is that uh, it works both globally which uh, in a way is good for for uh, multilateral instincts uh, We are in this together as is uh, commonly said But it's in parallel to affecting all countries, Uh, it also affects uh, uh, the leadership population relations in all countries as well. This uh, makes uh, for profound disruptive possibilities, uh, which is uh, um, really enhancing the element of uncertainty and insecurity as we move forward. And I can only agree with you what you said about the about the US and what I said also about the US, its indispensable role, but the great uh, harm that can be done also from the fact that in a very uncertain, also constitutionally uncertain electoral campaign, uh, and, uh, a certain degree of a considerable degree of blame gaming will be conducted necessarily whereby uh, although the the world needs to bow to the elected leader of the U.S., but there is also an enormous uh, amount of criticism uh, building against Trump for his handling of this corona crisis. So depending on the uh, the next few months developments on this score, you will see possibly a very disruptive uh, and destructive Um, process within the u.s um, and that will uh, affect world affairs at the same time of this uncertainty and while it remaining uncertain concerning uh, the next four years you absolutely need to uh, resume contact between the main players concerning nuclear arms and arms control issues because uh, there uh, i think this is a trigger to the necessity of resuming a multilateral approach, because without it you cannot deal with the arms race in the nuclear area, nor with the issues of nuclear proliferation, and that is another threat to world security.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the Russian Ambassador to United States is on record to discussing this issue uh, very recently as well. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the point is uh, on what conditions uh, China also would be involved in the in yes. the dialogue. Yes. Uh, on a wider uh, spectrum of issues, uh, one can note that if I if we look at Russia for a moment, uh, there is a very interesting uh, contribution from one of the uh, of the academics in the, in, in Russia, uh, the Kortunov from RIAC. who who um, and I quote him. Uh, nor did the pandemic become an incentive for Russia and Saudi Arabia to make mutual concessions during the OPEC plus negotiations, which could have prevented the collapse in oil prices and the subsequent panic on global financial markets. In each of these, and I continue to quote, uh, and in many other cases, the universal interests of the self-preservation of the human population have invariably been pushed into the background for the sake of opportunistic political, economic, or other group interests. Mm. Now that's a very strong uh, criticism uh, against his own government uh, for not taking Russian uh, strategic, economic, and other interests into account when when dealing with uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and other other partners within OPEC, and uh, and. Uh, Russians have been speaking for quite some time now about the need to re-establish, if not the G8, then something like the G10 with China and India to to get dialogue going, because clearly Russia does not feel strong in this particular in this uh, particular situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, a U.S. policy focusing on bilateralism and transactionalism is of course uh, going to uh, delay uh, the important uh, re-establishment, a minimum re-establishment of, uh, uh, of uh, relations between the, between the major countries, uh, be it mm-hmm. in the G20 later this year, in the summit, in the autumn, or, or in some other format.
1: Yes, but is, uh, the, the problem with the current administration in the U.S., and I again stress the indispensability of US leadership, is that the the president, Mr. Trump, um, seems to be uh, disorganizing. He is against any limiting institutional factor, limiting US freedom of action. Preferring instead to have it personalised, uh, personalised relationships uh, between himself and the various leaders, be it Xi uh, or, or, or Putin or Erdogan or whoever. Uh, which means that the uh, degree of institutionalisation of uh, international affairs uh, has meant uh, dismantling of. Existing structures which are indispensable to any uh, meaningful nego- negotiations. And uh, with the US leader preferring to have personal links and doing away with all the institutional uh, uh, surroundings, so to speak, uh, seeking deals uh, on the America First uh, paradigm all this is uh, is going to be changed um, but the question is is it uh, uh, as a result of the elections in november this year or is it uh, the result of uh, of an outgoing president uh, in four years uh, uh, extra time um, you you point to uh, an article which uh, talks about the lack of uh, a constructive reaction to this uh, threat uh, I could also quote uh, news today that Saudi Arabia although having this infight with Russia over oil prices has drawn the conclusion uh, of the corona virus threat to call for uh, for a ceasefire in Yemen mm. and I guess that in the in the best of worlds uh, we are going to see that pattern being uh, being uh, repeated in other uh, conflict areas, where uh, it is seen by both sides or all sides that the coronavirus is a threat is so enormous that one simply has to overcome the constant temptation to conquer the next hill uh, and then uh, be ready to discuss uh, a peace accord. The, the threat is uh, so enormous that it could be an incentive uh, to help uh, resolve uh, at least uh, some of the current conflicts uh, plaguing the world.
0: Yeah, there, there are several other positive aspects uh, on the way ahead that we should mention. I'll come back to that very briefly. Uh, just to say first that on the European level, of course, uh, European major countries like the uh, Germany and, and France have braced themselves for the current situation already before the Corona crisis by promoting what he- Heiko Maas calls an alliance for for multilateralism that they launched in November, and mm-hmm. they have now come back to it uh, with explicit reference even to to Robert Kagan's book about. Uh, uh, the jungle growing back, so to say, the, the threat against uh, the liberal world order. Mm. Uh, uh, but of course it's not an easy situation for these, uh, uh, this group of countries now, uh, because uh, there is a need to have the United Kingdom fully into the picture. The U- UK is now in an extremely difficult situation with the, with the Prime Minister... Uh, Tied down to a hospital bed, bed sitting up, but uh, having been, you know, more or less uh, feverish for the last two weeks, almost mm. uh, It's enormously a, a dangerous situation for a country with uh, with such an important role, both to protect its own citizens, but also as a, as an important regional and world power, a permanent member of the Security Council, etc. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so that's a, that's a. a, a and and of course uh, as we speak uh, these leaders will have to discuss among themselves as we do here on the swedish level what do we want the european union to do about, about all this uh, do we do we uh, applaud the intention of uh, of the uh, brussels leadership to increase the financial perspectives increase the budget for for the eu to manage on an eu level some of the storage uh, and preparation and crisis responsiveness—all of these things are up. And we certainly will have in a later podcast to come back to that. Mm. Mm. Uh, we will also have to come back on the issue of strategy here: how, how, uh, 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 what kind of lessons uh, Europe is going to draw from from the uh, from the current crisis.
1: Yeah, if I may uh, add on this point, um, uh, globally there has been a trend uh, based on U.S. leadership and undisputed power, although there was a nuclear competitive uh, element uh, during the Cold War, uh, for the gradual establishment of a world order where we could say uh, that there was uh, an overlap between uh, Western values and universal values. Uh, based on the UN Charter, based or expressed in the UN Charter, and uh, based in the uh, documents of the European Union, etc. It was an undisputed uh, wave combined with uh, the process of globalization, where these values that we call Western values, but we also claimed them to be universal values, uh, I see this as a as a big crisis now of of keeping this uh, the togetherness between western values meaning liberal democracy rule of law etc cetera, etc cetera, but also capitalist uh, uh, economic system for the necessary freedom which of course can be criticized from a socialist point of view but still has been the the uh, situation for some time the questions now are whether and to what extent you can rebuild multilateralism uh, globally and regionally as EU and still insist with, with the with authority that all these new structures or old new can still remain based on those, those values. This is a crisis uh, question within the EU, but it's also a crisis question uh, at, at the global level because uh, there are clearly trends which will uh, um refuse to accept that coincidence between those sets of values
0: yeah i mean if you make the thought experiment that uh um think about brexit uh, how much work it has meant for the brits to orient themselves mm. in a situation where they're outside the european union <clears throat> and just imagine that we would have to rebuild many of the of the international organisations that are currently more or less functioning. If they wouldn't exist and you would have to start from scratch, how many decades would it take for us to rebuild that? Mm. Uh, similarly, we already know that just reconstructing again the Iran deal, or mm. the, uh, getting the climate deal back into sp- up to speed again, is is mm. it's an enormous task. So throwing the ba- baby out with the bathwater when it comes to multilateral international law uh, and so on, it's a, it's a very, very dangerous process.
1: Mm.
0: It is, it's enormously, uh, typically as, as we know from the OEC, for instance, where Sweden would take the chair next year, we know that if the OEC wouldn't exist, many people have consistently said over a number of decades that it would have to be reinvented. Yeah. And there are opportunities for multilateralism. I want to uh, quote K- Kemal Darvis, uh, again, I think, in Project Syndicate, where he says, There are reasons to hope that the pandemic could lead to greater international cooperation. We're also seeing an unprecedented level of open scientific collaboration aimed at developing vaccines, diagnostics, and therapeutics. Japan and China are usually rivals, quickly offered each other generous aid. Even the U.S. and Chinese leaders pledged mutual support in a phone call on March 25. And you can, mm. you can move on uh, broadening the perspective here. Um, obviously uh, Bill Gates who tried to draw attention to the problem not only of a, man-made, uh, of a, of a natural virus but even poss- potentially a man-made biological weapon through a virus. He has talked about that for more than five years where finally, someone perhaps will listen to him. And secondly, what we know from the crisis already, that we are extremely dependent on critical infrastructure protection, cyber security and so on. I think there as well, we will see a lot of efforts after this crisis is over. Uh, We have hopeful signs that people realize that the environment can become better. Uh, Potentially, there will be some gains here. Maybe the population of Beijing will grow attached to the clear blue sky that they have seen now for for a few weeks you know as yeah. a result of less uh, pollution in the atmosphere so there are some hopeful signs here but it will indeed require a lot of effort on the multilateral level in order to do that
1: yeah because as you say uh, the tasks of uh, Reconstructing all these things—if reconstruction is uh, indeed what is needed—is uh, is enormous, uh, uh, and one has to be humble, seeing that uh, the, the need for for a reaction now is my is much much more urgent uh, than that. When you, man- you mentioned uh, Kemal Derwish, uh, for me, uh, an interesting figure because he was the one sa- saving the Turkish economy, yeah, in the, early, uh, the years of the millennium. Uh, at that time, and then of course he was UNDP chief. So he is a very interesting figure that one needs to listen to, like like Bill Gates and others. So the, yeah. But uh, when you mentioned the OSC, um, for, for both you and I, uh, for bo- both you and me, uh, it's uh, it is a recollection of the time of the uh, uh, CSE when uh, the 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 issues were at the time what can one do to create an uh, an orderly situation in in Europe which will reflect uh, the the commonality of needs for security and then we had this balancing act between the various baskets Uh, and in the end there came uh, a a structure which uh, was combined with the emergence of the EU and all those uh, Structure. So, I mean, it's enormously important, but it's also a reminder of the painstaking negotiations it took to finally create the OSE at the time, with the aim of having some kind of structure which would create a security dimension to the East-West relations at the time. And this paved the way, of course, for the end of the Cold War. So this is what it takes, I think. To get back to a less jungle-like international de- situation, but it's uh, it's an enormous task.
0: Yeah, it is. It is enormous. And on the le- level of the EU, of course, it is also extremely demanding now to to get the system which actually works. And our previous colleague in the EU, uh, Mark Pierini, has written the, uh, recently about this. Uh, about uh, the the need to set up new monitoring and planning mechanisms to agree on policies, preservation plan for strategic industries, uh, coordinating national research on pandemics and other things. Uh, coming back to the issue of EU consular cooperation in third countries that we discussed with uh, Michel Barnier already 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. there is a there is a lot of work to be done on that level as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. But since uh, I think one should remind here that uh, it is clear uh, I mean the enormousness of the tasks is one thing but the immediacy of the needs for at least minimum degree of multilateral cooperation is is another thing. So uh, there again I don't see that happening uh, as long as the basic uncertainty about the role of the US is, uh, remains uncertain. But uh, at the same time, uh, I don't see who else might take the necessary initiatives uh, globally with a view to creating some kind of minimum confidence level, uh, big power, great power talks about what is uh, minimum necessary yeah i don't know uh what is the, in the in the minds of the us president concerning russia because he seems to have been cultivating his counterpart putin uh in a special relations uh, shelf while the us russian relations uh, have been deteriorating so there is a mismatch here um somehow uh, somehow there is there must be, it must be sorted out whether the world is truly multi-polar, uh, meaning that uh, China and Russia and the US and the EU and India, etc, are separate entities or whether there is a convergence such that uh, China, Russia, for example, would act together against a uh, weakened West. These are also enormously complicated issues, but yeah. it takes US leadership to sort it out.
0: Yeah. And on the European level, <coughs> there are many people now pre- offering uh, preliminary thoughts, including from uh, Re- Germany for instance. Uh, I've seen some interesting material from uh, Schriftung Politik uh, uh, and other, inst- other think tanks around Europe. Uh, but uh, the, main, the real problem will come of course when it, it has to be done on the level of strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where you need to uh, bring everything on the table so to say you need to make and there we come back to the same problem as we had when we wrote our report on the southern dimension that there will be a balancing, balancing painful balancing act between different uh, uh, different considerations different uh, priorities we will need to uh, uh, we will need to balance uh, uh, within a comprehensive concept of security uh, different things against each other, and we have mm-hmm. spoken you have spoken a lot about that. we are talking about security and at the same time cooperation we're talking about deterrence and reassurance, active reactive and interdependence versus autonomy as we now talk about it both in military and now also civilian terms in europe
1: mm-hmm.
0: all of it, how much should we spend on the military? How much on the civilian side? How much should we focus on development? How much on governance? What should be our priorities when it comes to flow of security? How much should we spend on capacity building? How much to prepare for crisis response? There are lots of things that have to be balanced against each other. And there, yeah. of course, uh, there has to be a very strong public pressure on leaders. To get the mm. rack together towards the end of this crisis, because there will be so many interests uh, uh, screaming for attention.
1: Yeah, and when you uh, when you talk about uh, we having to do this and that, of course, it's always a question of who are we actually. exactly,
0: exactly? Because without the Americans, who are we?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so so the format is is very very important here Uh, and and, uh, when Kissinger writes about this he says we in terms of the United States will not be able to solve this problem
1: Mm -hmm. that that realization uh, is what needs to be Permeating the uh, the White House also. Let me add one one more thing, which is that um, uh, as the, we we are now dealing with all the issues and the enormousness of all the things that need to be done, but we are focusing now on the immediate threat of the of the pandemic. Uh, another another price, another cost of this is uh, the degree of neglect of dealing with crises that uh, were paramount in our, in our uh, attention only uh, one month or two uh, ago. Uh, I am uh, disheartened at the thought of all the sufferings that neglect from the international community and by the way international community is an interesting concept uh, uh, in our discussion here to what extent that exists as an entity. But the, the neglect of uh, the situation in Idlib and the refugees there or, or in the, or, all the other refugee camps. Or, by the way, among the 3.6 million refugees uh, from Syria in, in Turkey uh, after the painful events that took place uh, in February this year. And the uh, Rohingya camps in Bangladesh. And uh, there, there are all those people that, uh, that uh, are hopelessly placed unless full attention to their uh, their uh, suffering is uh, paid but uh, but uh, this is not happening now even even in Sweden we don't discuss so much anymore the the situation in the in the suburbs uh, uh, and the gang violence and all the things that continue to happen but we don't pay as much attention other than possibly seeing that the the coronavirus is hitting the suburbs more than in other Component parts, but so uh, what I'm getting at is the lack of attention uh, on crises that we used to have great difficulties dealing with even before the corona Paralyzed us so don't forget them.
0: No, and we have many indications already Of course, that Turkey is perhaps the most problematic trend when it comes to the uh, spread of the virus Uh, you have Istanbul we know that uh, the situation in Afghanistan is, uh, is, uh, is, is unpredictable and very difficult to analyze because there is no serious testing going on. Hundreds mm. of thousands of people uh, returning from Iran back to Afghanistan, probably infecting the population there. Yeah. We know that the situation in countries like Nigeria uh, is likely to become very difficult. Uh, Megacities all over, the, all over the, that continent uh, yeah. may be affected in a way which uh, we simply cannot uh, simply uh, shut out. Uh, that was the main point from our uh, southern report, mm-hmm. that we are dependent on these countries and those regions as as they are dependent upon yeah. us. There is an international interdependence. Yeah.
1: And then we mustn't forget, uh, as we are reminded by Farid Zakaria and others, that we have also to realize that uh, the the pandemic threat now is one thing, the economic consequences of the p- pandemic another thing. Yeah. And then you have the oil pri- price thing, which uh, give totally uh, uh, is a total destruction for the Iraqi e- economy, for example. And then you have the uh, so, so there are waves of consequences which we will uh, be stuck with. Uh, even after the immediacy of the uh, of the um, virus infection problem uh, has uh, been overtaken, and uh, so I mean we are this tells me at least that we are going to deal with the consequences for years, yeah. even as we uh, st- or when we have to start thinking about uh, reconstructing the multilateral responses at various levels.
0: Yeah, and uh, and uh, also on, in the eastern dimension, if we look at Russia now, I'm struck by the fact that some of the strongest expression of worries that I've seen in the, in the article so far come from Russia, where, mm. where we, we, we know from an excellent podcast from Rusi, for instance, in London recently, uh, that uh, uh, there is increasing discontent in the various regions around, uh, uh, out in the periphery of Russia, what the pandemic uh, May lead to, one doesn't know, there is not strong uh, uh, direction from Moscow as of yet. And of course, on, on top of that, also the issue of the oil prices has mm-hmm. made one of the, of the Russian uh, writers on this talk about uh, what other signal does humana- humanity, and I quote, what other signal does humanity need to finally wake up in the preservation instinct that is inherent in any biological species? Well, mm-hmm. this is uh, you know, a realization that I think we, Swedes, would welcome from the Russian government and the Russian people to, yeah. be, uh, to be joining with us in, in this feeling that we basically will need to cooperate now to prever- preserve uh, um, international uh, peace and security and development uh, for our children and grandchildren.
1: But we have to add here, lot erik that uh, there's no, another threat. Uh, we have mentioned it in passing, which is that the uh, responses now to the pandemic crisis will uh, provide an incentive and a temptation for leaders to be, go uh, in a, an authoritarian way. You've seen about Hungary, uh, you see about uh, Turkey, uh, maybe also the US, who knows. Uh, that uh, there is a temptation to say uh, in order to deal with the the crisis now we have to we, we cannot afford sort of liberal parliamentary long term uh, bureaucratic procedures we need to be uh, acting swiftly and then the risk of making that permanent after the immediate crisis is over uh, this is another aspect to the threat also to a liberal wo- world order as we now uh, are facing absolutely
0: So we'll need to dig down into these various uh, multilateral and other geographic and thematic issues in further podcasts. We know on the multilateral level, as John Eliasson has uh, written, that something has to be done on the UN level to get the UN out of the current phase of uh, passivity of lockdown in New York and the distrust in the work of the World Health Organization, the IAEA and so forth. On the EU level we have spoken a lot about that. On the OEC level, uh, clearly we need uh, in Sweden to think about what, what added value could, could Sweden provide to the OEC agenda for, for, the, uh, for the coming year and years, given the fact that the OEC <coughs> stands for a lot of the norm building work that has been done uh, over mm. the years, not least the code of conduct for, for interstate relations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, of course, the freedom of uh, individuals and so on.
1: But Lajos, you have to uh, say, uh, discussing with uh, Jan Eliasson and others, that if you are talking about uh, refreshing the relevance of the UN at the UN level, you have you cannot escape uh, looking again into the very very difficult question of the composition of the of the Security Council. It's a long-term issue. I know it's very, very difficult, but somehow it still is locked down in, in structures um, that flow, flew from the uh, Second World War. I, I cannot imagine uh, how one could avoid having to look into that as well in order to to enhance the relevance and legitimacy of the UN structure and, and level. And of course. that is a reminder how difficult it's going to be.
0: And that's why people are talking now more and more about G7, G8, G10, G20, and so on. And -hmm. of course, in the UK, uh, I worry about their status. Uh, Will will it be desperately clinging to a permanent seat, Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, etc. So yes, indeed, these are structural issues Mm -hmm. uh, that will come to the fore sooner or later. Mm -hmm. And the problem is how to proceed without being totally blocked on any one issue here.
1: Yeah. And how to proceed uh, without uh, functioning legitimate respected US leadership. Yeah. Shall we stop there? Okay. All right. Um, but, uh, happy happy Easter to uh, <coughs> all of us being uh, in quarantine. Yes. Absolutely. Happy Easter. Yeah.